experienced in these blackouts, blackouts, stretches of time that you can't account for. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by my trusted co-host, first officer, confidant, the light of my eye, Mason Schrader. Mason, how are you? I'm good. I'm yeah. fine. I don't know. Whatever. Did you, you always watch... ask me that? <laughs> did you Did you watch the Oscars, Mason? I don't think anything happened. Oh, it was a big night for Dune. Um other than that, it nothing really exciting. It won every technical Oscar available. Yeah, Dune it was a big night for doing. Other than that, it was pretty boring. Nothing much. Um, Amy Schumer probably stole some jokes, that, and then she told them at the Oscars. I don't know. You know, the classic Amy Schumer stick. Yeah, I heard, yeah. heard all the jokes were really bad. They were. They were. One, there was one bit, actually. So, so Will Smith... <laughs> So Chris Rock comes on. <laughs> yes. Did you see saw, that? I did see it's it. It's crazy. Not live. I did not watch it live. I, I saw I'm a fucking nerd. So I was morning. watching it live. And um, when it happened, I was like, this is staged. You know, he walks up and I was like, whatever, they're going to do a stupid joke. He slaps him. And I was like, that was crazy. It was staged. And then the audio cut out for a minute. And I mean, you can attest to this. Having worked a live event... I knew the minute that they cut audio, I was like, this is real. Like, this is something not, bad has happened. Like, yes. so this something mm-hmm. is happening that is not meant to happen. Yeah. And so it did. Well, today, Mason, we are returning to formula with our Unsolved U.S. Urban Legend series, taking a look at the states of Colorado and the place that shaped me and probably scares me the most, Utah. Whoa. If you've never listened to uh, one of our Unsolved U.S. episodes, this is how it works. We usually pick three stories from each state that we deem worthy of conversation, have a bit of substance, or are just not completely bad shit and enough to fill a page with. I then read them to Mason and we rate them together as either spooky or kooky, which is just how it sounds. Now, sometimes major well-known legends are ignored, like a certain one today. Uh, because we're interested in maybe doing a full episode on it down the road. Um, so with that all out of the way, Mason, would you please take the tarp off the mystery hog while I open the garage door? It is very fitting that we took the winter off, and now that now that it's back to writing season, we're back on the road. I'm putting my little leather gloves on again. My little, mm-hmm. my little I wish goggles. you'd stop wearing those. Yeah, because yeah, I just sit in the little sidecar. Yeah, so you don't really... Yeah. I don't know why you wear that that leather pilot's hat. I'm getting in. I'm putting my leather pilot's hat on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Put okay. on my goggles. Start this puppy up and let's ride. After a long, hard day in Colorado, reach for the game winners prefer. We begin our journey in the centennial state, Colorado. 
We've covered haunted roads before on Captain's Log, but Riverdale Road seems to be the mother of all haunted ghostly roads, sporting not one, not two, but multiple stories of ghosts, witches, and skinwalkers. Now would be a really good time for me to have watched the TV show Riverdale so I could make a Riverdale uh, joke. I thought the same thing while I was writing this. I was like, damn, if only I watched the show so I could make I, any is joke. Is that the show where Drake was in a wheelchair? Yes. <laughs> good. The 11-mile stretch of road between Brighton and Thornton has been referred to by some as the home of the literal gates of hell. It's not clear where these fabled gates are meant to be, though some believe they're on the Wolpert property, where in the mid-20th century, David Wolpert... Let's just stop for a second. Wolpert. What a last name. Wolpert? I, I hardly, hardly know, know her. <laughs> yeah, look at us. Um, Thank you for I tuning just... in to Captain's Log. This will be the final episode. I love, I love, and I know you wrote this, but I love the home of the literal gates of hell. Nobody knows where they're at. <laughs> Not super literal, then, are they? That, we'll get into it. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure we will be the first people to discover and make widely publicized <laughs> the literal gates of hell. I cannot wait, Jose. I cannot wait. In the mid-20th century, David Wolpert killed his family one night before burning his mansion and disappearing into the darkness, leaving behind the ghostly specter of his wife, who now roams the stretch of road searching for her husband and her sweet revenge. Riverdale Road has been home to tragedy for a very long time, with 33 property damage and injury incidents in 2019 alone, as well... Well, Republicans would have a real problem with that. And as we know, property damage is equal to murder. Back to blue. And that's the, that's the official captain's log stance. <laughs> <that> <laughs> property damage is equivalent to murder. Yikes. And remember, if you are mad about something... Don't you're not allowed to break stuff. Mm -hmm. You have to just sit quietly with your arms and legs folded and think real hard about yes. how mad you are. That's how real patriots do it. Mm -hmm. There have also been numerous fatal crashes happening along the winding road, one of which occurred one fateful night in the 1970s, when a young man driving behind the wheel of a black Camaro decided to take on the road at high speeds. Sounds as, like a drunk kid that crashed his Camaro. As he rounded the corner, he lost control of the car and crashed, dying on impact. But it seems that him and his car have decided to stick around. Oh, as this is death proof rules? <laughs> as many... <laughs> yes. As many visitors report driving past a black Camaro with a single headlight out, who will follow the drivers and attempt to race them. But beware... If you accept his challenge, the only thing you'll be racing towards will be death. Because... Because it's a ghost. And he'll right, kill you. He leads you to your death. Like him. Is that a thing? Yes. Like there are more people who have raced and they're like, have like crashed on that road and died? Yes. Yet this is yes. <laughs> you said yes like it was a no. Yes. Yet this isn't the only specter you will encounter while driving down the road. If you visit right, Jonkers... because of the guy's husband or the guy's wife, right? Mm -hmm. So this is we're now up to three ghosts. <laughs> yes, the car counts as a ghost. Yes, 
This is a well. The guy's in the car. The guy in the car counts as a ghost, and also right? the cars it goes too. So now this would be the fourth ghost that mm-hmm. we're on. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a four-layer ghost road. If you visit Joggers Hill on Riverdale, do the ghosts road. run into each other? Do you think <laughs> no, the ghosts ever a, run into each club. other? Yeah, I'm sure they. Or do you think they have like at the end of the night a, when they punch out? They all meet together in the break. Oh, the, mm-hmm. well, do you yeah. think they, oh, I assume they have shifts though, right? Do you think they scheduled it out? So it's yes, like, they have you know, shifts. like, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, Tuesdays, like 10 to, Tuesdays, it's 10 to 12. Camaro, that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. Camaro guy. Yeah. And then it's wife, the wife of the, the guy, I guess the, uh, that's just the only two right now because of the car and the, the Camaro. Although we do and fully admit that the car is a sentient ghost, much like Kit mm-hmm. and Knight Rider. Yes. And the, they're, they're on the shift together, obviously. So obviously. But you, they probably do pass each other and be like, morning, George. Morning, Fred. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. If you visit Joggers Hill on Riverdale Road, you might hear a thump hit your car. But when you exit to examine the damage of whatever you hit, you'll find nothing. You should quickly get back into your car, however, as if you don't, you might hear the loud footsteps of a disembodied jogger racing up behind you. That's that's actually very scary. The idea of having your back to the dark and mm. just hearing like the like thud, 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 that's like one of my favorite things to do because my bathroom is back over mm. in that end of the apartment and the bedroom here is that in the middle of the night I like to go to the bathroom and then run back and scare the <laughs> shit out of Cheyenne. She hates it. That doesn't sound I very think fun it's for her. Yeah. Very funny. Mm. I just, I'm like, it's so fun. But that's very scary because that would be terrifying. I would hate that. I'm I'm gonna tell Cheyenne to start doing that to you. I'm a heavy sleeper. I wouldn't wake up. Yeah, you seem like a heavy sleeper. Uh, we once I may have told this story. One time, a person opened yes, the door yeah. of our apartment and came in, and I didn't wake up until they were gone. <laughs> God, I not like I would have done much if I was no, awake. No, that's the thing. Is yeah, I'm kind of a coward. <laughs> if <laughs> so, anyway, <clears throat> you might hear the disembodied jogger racing up behind you, and when you do. It will be too late, just as it was for that poor jogger who was killed in a hit-and-run, who now continuously runs, perhaps in search of a passage to the great beyond. Or maybe you'll run into a coven of witches and cultists doing their rituals at the abandoned chicken coop, right after you pass the signpost with the bloody handprints on it, courtesy of the young lad killed walking home from school. I would steal that sign in a heartbeat. Oh, and keep your eyes away from the trees, unless you want to see the hanging bodies of the slaves who were lynched on that road. Riverdale Road seems to be a hotbed for urban legends. But um, uh, what do you think of the legend, Mason? Is it spooky or kooky? Um, The jogger thing is scary until you think about him be wearing, like, the cross-country uniform yeah. of just, like, the little tank maybe top. The and, little, maybe the little lamp. But also, and I was going to ask you this, it did say disembodied. Uh, you never see the op- the apparition. Oh, you just hear the footsteps? You just hear the footsteps, and then, and then sometimes they, they, they say that you hear, um, like, the heavy breathing or even a heartbeat. Ah, well, that's kind of, that one's scary. Mm-hmm. But I'm... Ghost gonna, car? Ghost car's not that scary, because mm-hmm. that's, that's like a Stephen King novel. Mm-hmm. Mixed with death proof 
not that's scary. Um, guy who burned down his mansion, and now his wife is like, oh. At first, when it was like he burned down the mansion, killed his family, and then ran off into the woods. And I'm like, oh, it's scary that the guy ran into the woods. But then the fact that the wife is the ghost is less scary. Mm. Mm. If it was like he hunts, he, he went crazy, and now like he uh, remember the guy? What was it? People. The pig head guy? No, the bunny head guy. Is that what it was? Yeah, whatever one of those guys that wears the creepy <clears throat> masks and wanders yeah. around town. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think as a it's whole, mostly it's kooky. mostly kooky. There's spooky aspects, but I'm going to say it's yeah. It's just this road whole. where they went, what if we threw every urban legend on one stretch of road? I'm just going to say it. Riverdale sucks. Archie and his friends can go to hell. And they will because the gates of hell are there. Archie Bunker? Is that his last name? That's a comic, I think, right? Yeah, Archie. That's where yeah. Riverdale, yeah. Oh, I think you're talking about the TV show Riverdale. Yeah, it's based on the Archie comics. Shut Crazy, the fuck huh? up. Crazy, huh? Shut the fuck yep. up. No, it's not. Yup, Jughead. Yup, they're all from the comics. Isn't the TV it fucking show bananas? Riverdale is based Isn't off it of fucking bananas. The, the TV Ar- show Riverdale is, is based off the Archie comics. Are you I'm, fucking I'm, kidding? No, 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 I never. Not. I don't know how I learned this just now. Archie comics are crazier than you think, Mason. Go back and yeah, I've re-read never read some them. them. I just remember because I'm. Well, I'm thinking of Bazooka Joe. Yes. I'm getting. I'm getting Archie confused with Bazooka Joe. Maybe. I'm going to be completely honest with you right yeah. now. That's okay. Riverdale Road. That'll make. That's going to make the cut. <laughs> Riverdale Road seems to be a hotbed for urban legends. Unfortunately, almost all of them are impossible to back up. See, most of these are nothing but empty claims. Except for the mansion fire. There was a large house that burned down on Riverdale Road, and it was the residence of David Wolpert at some point. But the fire occurred long after the Wolperts had died, and the home was abandoned by the time it burned down, so no one was killed. It should be mentioned that there have been numerous crimes committed on Riverdale Road. For instance, the car robbery and murder of a convenience store clerk in 1987, whose body was found on 89th on Riverdale. Or the young woman who was brutally murdered and left on 116th on Riverdale in 2018, as well as numerous others. So it is possible that ghostly figures roam the stretch of road. Who's to say? Scientists, probably. Us. And oh, right. We are to also, say, and we say, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to go there. It seems like we're not one to say if we don't, if we just say maybe, huh? No, I think we are the ones to say. Okay. Well, we certainly said. See, you seem to be confused. We are not in danger. We are the danger. Breaking Bad. Ooh, we're going to hunt ghosts. Yes. We're going to be cryptid hunters. Yes. But not hunters as in, like, we're going to find them. Like, hunters and like, we're going to beat the shit out of them. We're going to kill them. We're going to skin Bigfoot. Punch Mothman right in his fucking moth eye. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Mothman. Those motherfuckers come at us? I don't think so. Ne- I'm going to strangle beat Nessie. shit. Up. Yeah. Dude, Hop I'm on gonna... that fucker's neck and just... Dude, I'm going to leg lock him. I'm going mm-hmm. to put his neck... You're going to lock, leg like, lock the Loch Ness Monster. I'm going to leg Loch Ness monster. Yes. I'm going to leg lock Loch Nessie. God, leg start paying Nessie. us people so we can kill the cryptids of the world. <laughs> Give us your money so we can hunt down and murder all the cryptids. <laughs> Just 
just we're outside Bigfoot's cave and he's like, oh, hey, just you've stomped your last fucking patch of dirt, motherfucker. <laughs> You're about to have a big foot in your ass. Oh, that's really funny because <laughs> you snuck up behind him and you, you, you or I snuck up behind him. and I <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just that's very exciting. I'm so I can't. We wait. found uh, we found proof of Bigfoot. And then we killed Bigfoot him. Ex- Bigfoot exists? Well, he did. And then we killed him. Now he's a now dead. Now he's dead. Now he's a dead Bigfoot. Now his now he's he's a, a rug in my apartment. It's for the best. I got I'm going to have a necklace of cryptid teeth. <laughs> This archival footage exposes some of the weirdest and most frightening theories about Denver International Airport. From demonic horses to aliens, feast your eyes, if you dare. Airports. They're large, overcrowded places where you hope to spend minimal time. It's that's a unfair mon- to the uh, the Des Moines International Airport, which is a lovely, lovely airport that's never overcrowded. That is true. That is also... You know what? That's Salt Lake City Airport too. They they made it bigger and now it's even less crowded than before. <laughs> Don't know why they made it bigger. <laughs> anyway, it's it's fantastic where our tax money goes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, airports. Yeah. They're large, overcrowded places where you s- hope to spend minimal time. It's a mundane place where you go to get on an airplane to go to another place. That's it. And End you of get story, shit-faced right? at, at, most, mm-hmm. at most airports. I choose to get shit-faced. I'm not kidding. I have a fit. Every I airport I'm in, I'm drinking. I think I would just get drinking. too nauseous. Well, so normally I travel with my girlfriend who's like, she's a grown-up, so <laughs> yeah. I just get shit-hammered. I mean, so does Cheyenne, but she's a Well, I just mean like driver. going up, I'd be like... Oh, no, I always, every time you get to a thing, I get there early. I'm an early airport guy. Mm. I get there. I got to go to the airport with you, man. Get get my shit set up and then just like wherever, 6 a.m., doesn't matter. I'm getting a full-on beer, chugging that shit. Flight's better. Airports are a time warp that nothing is real in. Well, we got it. You're going to love this one. (laughs) For the most part, that's what they are, right? But not Denver International Airport. The place that is actually a home of the headquarters of the Illuminati and the New World Order, the reptilians. Hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, let me, let, let me, let me back, backtrack a little bit. Please. First opened on February 25th, 1995, the Denver International Airport has been servicing the international aviation community for nearly 30 years, implementing numerous, although not always successful, outside-the-box features to streamline the airport process. So how is it that this airport has found itself in the middle of numerous conspiracies? And what even is the urban legend surrounding it? Well, for that we go to the dedication capstone laid at the airport's south entrance, dated March 19, 1994. Sealed beneath the stone is a time capsule, containing messages and memorabilia for the people of Colorado in 2094. But this isn't important. What oh, is I would have guessed that was the important thing. What is important is the Masonic symbol of the square and compass, as well as the names of two grandmasters and their respective grand lodges. Strange, surely. But the most damning thing about this capstone is the mention of a group known as the New World Airport Commission, an organization 
that does not exist, or does it? See, I'm gonna this... guess yes. Or let me be clear: I'm gonna guess it probably did for a very small amount of time, and then it got like shut down or canceled or it stopped existing. And then, and instead of googling that for like the five minutes it took, people instead created a whole thing because it has new world order in it. And that's a red flag. God, you're such a sheep. See, this is the urban legend that haunts the Denver International Airport. The legend that the airport is the headquarters for a nefarious organization intent on overthrowing the government and implementing a one-government world regime through any means necessary. Who is this organization? Conspiracy theorists all agree. It's the Freemasons. Uh, sorry, it's the, uh, the Illuminati. No, hang on now. It was the, uh, the New World Order. Or maybe it's all three. You see, there are hundreds of underground tunnels running through the airport, supposedly built as an elaborate and sophisticated network of baggage tra transportation. Yet this system was never used. Instead, these tunnels help shuttle the elites and the members of this New World Order organization with one tunnel even connecting to NORAD, 100 miles away. Is that true? There are also numerous <laughs> secret buildings underground, God damn it, which okay. are used as headquarters. <laughs> I'm getting worried about you because you started, you've, you've started, you normally, you used to be like, haha, no, but now I, you do get a little, I see a glimmer of anger in your eyes whenever I've started being like, this seems like bullshit. You've like you get this glint of like that you really are mad at me, but then you just like you move on and I know it's like a little bit of a bit, but that's how it always starts. And by the end of this, by the five hundredth episode of this podcast, this is gonna be a full on like by argument. We're gonna hate each other by, by that the five hundredth episode of this podcast, I will be revealed as cute. This I am be, cute. Yes. By the f this will have turned from a podcast where two <laughs> friends talk about things to a podcast where one friend reviews a crazy friend's fucking conspiracy theories. I am legitimately getting worried about you. Just wait. Just wait. Oh, okay. There are also numerous secret buildings underground which are used as headquarters, but also will be used to house the elite during the end of the world or will be used as concentration camps for when the New World Order takes over. It's still up for debate which one it will be, but it's definitely going to be one of those two. I'm sorry, so it's either very plushy VIP bunkers or it's a concentration camp bunkers? Yep. Why would the concentration camps be not uh, above ground? Exactly. Now, many might say... <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't... <laughs> all right, yep, all right, nope, that's fine. Now, many might say... Jose, this all sounds like a load of hooey that falls apart the minute you actually start to think about it. And to that I say, what about the murals? See, adorning the walls of the DIA are two massive murals depicting some very strange apocalyptic and fascist scenery. Showing a soldier in a gas mask wielding a gun and a sword stabbing the dove of peace. While others show children weeping as three dead women lay before them. These pieces of so-called art created by so-called artist Leo Tanguma actually, okay, well that seems unfair. actually show what is to come during the final days of our world 
before the new world order is established. Okay, I'm pretty sure I know the story of these, but also, like, didn't they just hire an artist to paint those because they were in on the joke that of the new, like, because, like, the conspiracy came first, and then they had the murals painted after Did the they? conspiracy jerk. <laughs> okay, don't fucking talk to me like that. One of my favorite things. So they, so the last podcast did a series on MK Ultra, and yeah. for listeners of the last podcast, they know that Henry is very like conspiracy, like brained, right? It's weirder. I always it's when bad, we started right? this one, I thought I was gonna yeah, be more so like the, but it turns <laughs> out you are the Henry of it, and I'm the Ben Kissel of the podcast. I just want to drink. We're both a little bit like, of Marcus is- Parks. That's true, but it's like, I just want to drink and be like, ah, that's kind of fun. And you're like, don't fucking fuck with me on this shit. Well, anyway, throughout this whole series, whenever Marcus would would relay the information, Henry would go, coincidence? (laughs) And it did not fail to make me laugh every time. So now whenever, whenever whenever someone's like, Whenever I'd say a stupid fucking conspiracy and someone's like, well, that I think that it's just this. I'm like, coincidence. <laughs> anyway, the, uh. the gargoyles above baggage claim also hint at this. The two harbingers of doom are warning us of what is to come. I'm when sorry. It, Wait, why? Why, though? Why are the gargoyles harbingers of doom, though? Because they're scary. But gargoyles <laughs> are ever Like, there's, like, a lot of places with gargoyles. And it doesn't stop there, Mason. <laughs> I'm looking at my like, eyes, and, and as I'm reading this, they look crazy. I, I'm i a little concerned. I'm a little concerned just, for myself. You just keep steamrolling my questions now, and you're just like, all right, okay, so it doesn't, it doesn't stop, stop with the gargoyles. We haven't talked about Blucifer. Blucifer, or Mustang, as the sheep call him, is the blue... I'm gonna go ahead and just clip that for when... The very... I'm pinpointing the moment that you lost your mind was when you said Blucifer, or Mustang, as the sheep call him. Is... That's the clip that... counting for your insane that's what's the that's the moment Blucifer is the blue mustang sculpture found outside of the airport a curse Denver ob- is Colorado's a cowboy state a cursed so object that will one day be ridden by one of the horsemen of the apocalypse it's a fucking horse statue if in you, a cowboy state if you don't Wyoming's whole thing is cowboys on horses do you think that's also a thing if you don't believe it's cursed, then all you need to do is look up the story about how it killed its creator. But don't read too much into it. Just kind of like skim it. I'm going to guess. Can I make a guess that a horse kicked a guy or stomped a guy like horses tend to do? Because they're It's horses? actually pretty fucking bad shit when we get into it. It's, it's, it sucks. It's really tragic. Okay. Finally, we go to the Great Hall, which is adorned with a mining cart with the letters AU and AG on it. References to the Australian antigen that the Illuminati will use to secure power and establish their new world order. See, it's also so, clear. From its numerous fascist okay. symbols, including the swastika shaped runways, it is clear that the Denver International Airport is secretly home to a nefarious organization who will one day step out of the shadows and make their might known. Well, After not all. if Trump has anything to say about it. Boom! Flipped it on you, motherfucker. Turns out I was the crazy one. After <laughs> all... the liberal pedophiles, he's putting an end to it. After all, why even build a new airport? 
Stapleton was running smoothly and needed no replacement. That is the strangest part of it all. What you do you think, Mason? started this off by say, complaining that Salt Lake City expanded their airport without a need to. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you think, Mason? <laughs> Spooky or kooky? <laughs> Jose, I think you should call your mom back. <laughs> She's really worried, man. We're She's all really, really worried. We're all really worried about you. What do you think? You only though? talk to me when we do the podcast. What do you think obviously of that? Kooky. It's, it's obviously so kooky. It's so fucking kooky, right? It's so, I mean, it's funny it's that, that so, Denver, it's, it's it so is, crazy that it became a, ma- that mainstream mm-hmm. people are like. Genuinely <laughs> believe that. No, that like mainstream people are like, we're going to, we know this and are making yes. fun of it. I mean, they put, they put like, alien, didn't they, when they were doing well, construction. Yeah, so, so, they, but, they so like, you think it's kooky. Yeah. I also yes, think, I it's think it's kooky. Yes. Um, I'm not a big one thing about me is I'll believe in like aliens and stuff like that, but but conspiracies. Did you wink at me? No, I didn't. I. I think okay. But but conspiracies, for the most part, I think a lot of them are just shit. <laughs> like they're bad and they're they're kooky. And this is one that is very kooky. Um, let's get into why. And yes, so when they were so they yes they. One thing I will give Denver International is they fully have leaned into this whole, like, Illuminati headquarters thing. So when they were doing renovations, they had up posters that you can go to, I think it's called denfiles.org. And it's, like, where um, they, like, have all this, like, explaining what they were actually doing. But a lot of the stuff said, like, we are busy working, building. And then it, it was, like, A, new restaurants, B, um like office spaces for the lizard people see like landing ramps for the UFOs or something like that. So they like fully embrace. They would it. have it's like, they'd have like murals of like a guy, like a construction workers building stuff, but they were like lizard people instead yeah. of actually construction workers. Mm-hmm. It was pretty funny. So let's start clearing things up. Working backwards here because this legend makes a lot of claims that if we put it lightly are bullshit for starters, Stapleton was not running smoothly and was in desperate need of a replacement. You see, the parallel runways at Stapleton were too close together, which made landings during rough weather, which happens 150 days out of the year in the Mile High City, too risky, cutting the number of arrivals from 80 to 36 an hour. Thus, the more pinwheel or swastika-shaped runways. AU- Isn't that a normal thing at like most yes, airports? Yes, Are yeah. like shaped like that? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. AU and AG are not shitty shortened versions of Australian antigen. Any student of chemistry will tell you that the chemical symbols for gold and silver is found on the periodic table. Um, references to the gold and silver rushes of Colorado's history. And Denver's, yes, Denver's basketball team are the Nuggets. Yeah. And they're, they've got the mine cart. It's yeah. like the gold Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And they've got yeah. like the mine cart thing. And yes, Luis Jimenez did die while creating Mustang. This statue, commissioned in the mid-90s and inspired by colors and themes of famed Mexican muralists like Diego Rivera and Jose Clemente Orozco. So it's a blue it's a blue Mustang with bright red eyes, right? Also, their football team are the Denver Broncos yes, and they're right, orange yeah. and blue. <laughs> However, his death was an unfortunate accident. While working on the piece for nearly a decade, one day a part of the head broke off and severed an artery on his leg. So he bled to death. Um, the statue was finished by Jimenez's children. 
If that was the only story and there was like just a thing about that horse, that would be spooky. Yes. If I would that be was like, the maybe. only part. Yeah. Yeah. Right? If it was yeah. like he tried to finish it, he died. His children tried to finish it. They got into accidents or whatever. I'd be like, oh. Mm. Ooh. Mm. If, we, if we wrote a story that was completely <laughs> yeah. fake, it would be much scarier be much... than reality. <laughs> um, the gargoyles are actually meant to be references to gargoyles found on Notre Dame, named Notre Denver. And in general, gargoyles... I mean, that's kind of lame, but all right. In general, gargoyles are actually protectors, not harbingers of doom. That's why you find them on most churches uh, or cathedrals. Which I like that. Yeah, I like that cool. ugly, ugly things get to be protectors sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be like... I'm a, gar- I'm a bit of a gargoyle. You are a bit of a gargoyle. The large mural... <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome, buddy. The large murals are actually supposed to represent a dream for a better united world, and it's art, so, you know, it can be striking and fascinating. doesn't have to be fucking boring. The guy... It is sad, though. The artist refuses to talk about it anymore because of all the shit that constantly just Aww. being like, you're... It's the Nazis! And he's just like, oh, you guys missed it, but it's cool. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. Imagine, oh god, uh, yeah. I know this has happened way too much, mm-hmm. but imagine being like, I made a strong statement mm-hmm. about it being anti-fascist and people being like, "You're a fascist," fascist. yeah, and be like, "What? No, yeah. uh, oh, you've got it. There's nothing." As the thing I, is, so I do, I do graphic design, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes I make an ad mm-hmm. that people are like. I don't get what this ad means, yeah. and it makes me unfathomably angry. Yeah. And I would be, and that's just a stupid fucking tiny right, ad in yeah. rural Iowa. Imagine making a giant mural for an airport that a bunch of people are going to see and against fascism. And oh, yeah, oh, that makes me so upset, Jose. It's, that's so frustrating. It sucks, dude. Because and artists I, were such a sensitive be, bunch before. Yes, before even like um, doing this, I had seen the murals before, and I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> You know, like, it well, makes sense right. to me. It's, yeah. a, it's a dream. Sure, if I was a fucking dummy, I'd be like, these are scary. And they are kind of scary, but that's the whole well, but point. That's the point, is that <sighs> you're anyway. supposed to see it and be like, I don't want that. And then you go live a life that results in an, an in the opposite of that <sighs> painting. Anyway, the underground tunnels only stretch the perimeter of the airport, which is two miles. And they're used for pretty mundane things like underground as well as the underground buildings, they're used for office spaces and storage, pretty much like every other place. I mean, the hotel That'd I work at, yeah, the hotel I work at has a whole underground section where it's just offices. That'd so, be kind of like, wild working underground. Yeah, I, I constantly every airport. time I have to like go down to the underground part of the hotel, I'm like, imagine this, like your fucking office yeah. is just a, anyway. It's weird. The story of the baggage system is just a flat-out lie, and I saw it re- like fucking reposted on so many people's TikTok. We're like, it was never used. It was used, but it was quickly discovered that it was a massive disaster. So it was like mm. abandoned, and it's been decommissioned. Apparently, like it shredded some fucking luggage. Well, it was just like a big conveyor belt, like underneath. Yeah, the it was like a whole thing. big thing, but it was like built underneath instead of like behind the wall. Gotcha. As I thought it was, are. I just assumed it was like a tunnel where you yeah. just, people mm-hmm. just push things, but it was more like machinery based. Yeah. There's this whole thing about a lot of stuff that was built and then shelved because maybe then there's a whole theory that maybe all these, um, urban legends were started by the builders to cover up their mistakes because this whole, <laughs> this thing went $2 billion <laughs> over budget. So, and it wasn't super good at what yeah. it was supposed to do. So there's a there's a there's a theory that the whole like underground bunkers and stuff was like used to like distract from them being like we fucked up, you know. 
I do like that. I'm going to use, if I ever have mm-hmm. to, that, that's, yeah. a, that's going yeah. in my toolbox, my back pocket, for if I ever have to get out of a fuck-up. I'm going to mm-hmm. start doing shit like that. The Freemason symbol and the two Grandmaster names, there's a symbol of gratitude to the two lodges that give to the capstone. And you see Freemason symbols everywhere uh, in this country because they participate in a lot of, like, dedications. Because uh, we're the best. Hmm? Oh, Masons. We're the best. Yes. Freemasons, man. Freemasons. The New World Airport Commission is trickier because it is true that the group does not exist, but it reportedly did exist in 1994 and was a group created for the celebration of the opening of the airport. And it also seems to be a dual reference to the fact that the DIA was the newest airport in the world at the time and a reference to Dovrock's Symphony No. 9, popularly known as the New World Symphony. So there you have it. I'm guessing, yeah, it was like, there was probably a guy that was like, dude, we should start, like, <clears throat> franchising airports. And you know what I mean? He had an idea of, like, we'll be, like, guys who come in <clears throat> and make the best airports. It's an underserved market. We'll call it the New World Airport Order, <clears throat> whatever yeah. the fuck. Well, and apparently and the then guy they who- were like, oh, this is harder than I thought. Let's not yes. do this anymore. So the guy who was the head of the New World Airport Commission at the time, he was, like, a huge music fan, too. So that's where they think he got the name. Uh, <clears throat> why nobody asked? Them? He I mean, did. He was. He, he gave an interview. Ago. He gave an interview. Oh, okay. Before he died I was gonna say. Yeah, was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, people are like, "No, he's a mole." Sure, he's a mole. He's a. He's an implant. He's implanted by the government. Anyway. All right, Jose. Our final legend out of Colorado is an interesting one. As previously mentioned, Colorado was at one point a massive hub for mining. The gold and silver rushes, bringing in hundreds upon hundreds of men to travel into the depths of the earth for the much sought-after metals. To know more about that, you can listen to our Alfred Packard series. Yes, actually. He was one of the legends that was mentioned for this state, but I was like, we've already covered him. He was less of a legend and more of a man And more of a very real person. And murdered other men. Mm -hmm. Not a cool guy. No. He was all right. Eh. He wasn't as... Honestly, I learned he wasn't as bad as I thought. I'm sorry, Mm. we can move on. We talked about this at length. With the influx of miners came the influx of folklore Parents. and superstition. Oh, no, not that type of miners. Ah. Uh. Yeah. And this is how we got the legend of the Tommy Knockers. One of the group of people who rushed to Colorado to mine were the Cousin Jacks, the Cornish people of England, nicknamed Cousin Jack for their often repeated reply to managers asking if they knew anyone willing to work in the mines, and they would usually say something like this. Well, my cousin Jack over in Cornwall was come, could ye pay his boat ride? Again, sorry to the people of Cornwall. Write in and we'll do a better one. When they came over to the United <laughs> States, they brought their belief in the little impish gnome-like men known as the Tommyknockers with them. Right now, time out. I'm going to say, I love tales of little impish men. We've covered a couple on this podcast. What were the That's fucking- just because you and I are little <laughs> impish men. But I, I love stories of impish men. We've covered a couple. We did the one fucking weird guys who like the porridge or whatever for our Christmas mm. one. I can't remember their names. Yes. Yeah, the Swedish guys or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Tommyknockers are said to be two foot tall, greenish in color, and often wearing traditional mining attire. And we're going to get hairy real quick on the possible uh, origin of this. So, uh, this is the folklore, folks. Some believed they are the souls of the Jews who crucified Christ. <laughs> but this Whoa. is why. This is the explanation. Hang on. Since Tommyknockers were said to never be spotted on Saturdays or during Jewish festivals. 
But others, that's a leap. <laughs> but others believe they are the ghosts of former miners. And some believe that since a human soul cannot take the shape of something else in the afterlife, they were never human to begin with and are instead something much older and perhaps much darker. And I like uh, that one more than the iffy Jewish oh, punishment I theory. I would love to be there for the like guy being like, well, I think that they're minors because they always wear this. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're dark spirits. I think they're Jews. Ooh. Right, so well, Jack, when you say that, what do you mean by that? I think they're the fucking Jews that killed Jesus. Hmm. And I think they came back as gremlins as punishment for killing Jesus. Sorry, what was your last name again, Jack? Hitler. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I have to say. Yeah. Oh, wait, Hitler hasn't happened at this point. (laughs) Tommyknockers would present themselves. They're the Jews! (laughs) The Jews! (laughs) Tommyknockers would present themselves as a mist before taking the shape of a man and ever so rarely showing their true impish form. It is also said that Tommyknockers lived deep within the cave, and the farther back you ventured into a mine, the more likely you were to run into a Tommyknocker. Whether Tommyknockers are benevolent or malevolent depends on who you ask. To many, they were nothing more than mischievous little buggers who would steal your tools and food, knock your hard hat off your head, and pinch your face. If you kept them I'm happy, sorry, they would pinch your face? Yeah, that doesn't sound as fun to me. Don't pinch that my face. scary. That hurts. If you kept them happy and left behind offerings of food, they would warn you of impending collapses with their knocks, and other times tell you where to dig with their knocks. Two meant go ahead, dig here, and three meant you might not want to try this one. When a mine was exhausted and the miners left, it was said, if the mine was left unsealed, that the Tommyknockers would go with them and work the next mine with the men. If it was sealed, I think, I guess they just died. I don't know. You and you, I wish I want to go back in time and start a mining thing with the Tommyknockers. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. Yeah. That sounds like what Willy Wonka did with the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. Miners. Except it wouldn't be slave labor. You would pay My them? My mine. Yeah. What would you pay them? Whatever they want. Cool. I like that. Money, probably. Miners were. I'd introduce capitalism to them. Oh, no. <laughs> You'd ruin no. their society. Miners were mindful not to whistle when inside the cave, as the Tommyknockers would find it quite offensive. And this is where some believe that the Tommyknockers were not benevolent little mining men, but rather something evil to beware. Some believe that the knocks were not warnings of impending collapses, but rather the sound made as the Tommyknockers tried to destroy support beams. Many believe that Mammy R. Mine in Cripple Creek, Colorado, was haunted by evil Tommyknockers who punished the men who refused to believe in them. One man was lured deep into the cave after he thought he heard a little boy. The ceiling would collapse and kill him. Another non-believer had a bucket fall and crushed his head. Other instances continued, and many men left the mine, never to return again. And eventually, in 1895, it was closed. The Phoenix Gold Mine in Colorado is also said to be haunted by the Tommyknockers. And Ghost Adventures did an episode there. Where they Easy, easy, Jose. The spite in your voice is palpable. Where they managed to catch some knocks on audio and footage of a little man on their equipment. Look, I want to just go watch the clip for everyone. It's 
I used to believe in ghost adventures as a kid. And then I watched, and then I, I don't know, started thinking. And then I also watched that clip and I was like, okay, so this is all fake. Whether or not the Tommyknocker legend is real or nothing more than superstition is really unknown. As many of the mines they were said to have inhabited have been shut down and sealed due to dangerous conditions. But one thing we know, we will know, is whether Mason thinks it's spooky or kooky. Uh, I like it a lot. I don't think it's necessarily spooky, but I enjoy it. Because spooky is the positive one, I'm going to say spooky. I agree. That's fine with me. I'm going to watch this. Uh, watch The this. Ghost Adventures, The Winking Raccoon at Phoenix Goldmine is what this is called. Uh, it also has a brewery. In, there's also a brewery in Idaho Springs, Colorado, that got its name from the Tommyknockers, and um, we'll have to visit it someday. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little man <laughs> dancing on my recorder. <laughs> It was right on my recorder. It was. It wasn't even a person. It was just the outline. Yeah, like it's like little, it's supposed like, to be a little thing. thing that like tracks movement or whatever. Well, after wrapping up our business with the Tommyknockers, we head west to the Beehive State, the place that shaped me, Utah. Growing up, people working together, Utah. I don't know the rest of the song, but everyone in that state knows that song. It's the state song. I don't think Iowa even has a song. I didn't know that Utah had a state song until I was a senior in high school, and everyone was like, didn't you learn that in fifth grade? And I was like, must have missed that day. Growing up, we're taught that stealing is bad. But as we get a little older, some of us start to forget that lesson. We nab a pen, a pack of gum, a cool beer mug from a restaurant, or a piece of petrified wood from, say, the Escalante Petrified Forest State Park. The Escalante Petrified Forest is home to hundreds upon hundreds of unique fossilized pieces of fallen trees and some truly beautiful vistas. There are multiple signs asking folks to please not steal the beautiful rocks, but this doesn't deter thousands of tourists from doing exactly that. They don't seem to understand. Forget about the mess of legal troubles you could find yourself caught up in if you're caught stealing any of the parts in any of the parts of the park. It's the curse you should really worry about. See this beautiful piece of land harbors a dark and mysterious curse. Anyone who takes from the park shall be plagued by bad luck, illness, and quite possibly, death. And so this has been the case for hundreds upon hundreds of thieves from as early as the 1930s. Every year the park will receive letters with pieces of rock inside, explaining that the sender stole it while visiting and has now fallen prey to the curse in wishes to make things right. They all share tales of mysterious illnesses, horrendous luck in dating, jobs, and other fields, as well as terrible accidents and even tales of the original thief dying and their family wanting to return it and save themselves from the curse. One letter accompanying the rock said, 
I picked up this small piece of wood when I visited last year, and I thought the warnings were phony. Since that time, I've had three accidents. The apologetic letter writer went on to describe a series of accidents, injuries, and misfortunes, including a broken collarbone, three broken ribs, and a broken foot. Not to mention a fire in his motorhome and the fact that the engine in his car went south shortly after the warranty expired. All of that, he believes, was payback for defying the curse. I'm a true believer. Please take this back, the writer concluded, asking park officials to right his wrong. Another example, a 2004 letter signed by Kaspar Rudisili of Basel, Switzerland, reads, Since my travel three years ago, I had no good luck in my life, but every year, an accident or a disease. I hope this act of restitution, the Lord will have mercy upon me. I apologize and beg your pardon. Sorry. There is no definitive explanation as to the origins of the curse. Good. That was good. Or even the origins of the legend. But what is definitive is the fear it instills in some. And perhaps it's for the best. Real or not, it deters people from stealing from our beautiful national parks. But alas, Mason, what do you make of it? Spooky or kooky? It seems kind of silly because there's no, like... If there was, like, some evidence, like, not even evidence, if there was just, like, a fun story for how the curse got there, I'd be with it. But now I can only, all I can imagine Native is, American like, a modern, burial ground, I don't know. I can just the imagine most a modern day one. park ranger doing, like, this, like, curse. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a... And that makes me laugh. The, like, imagine one of those, him like, in his uh, big hat yeah. doing, like, reading out of an ancient book and then being like, okay, well, the park's cursed for another day. <laughs> Yeah, it's Come like on, a job everybody. now. He has to keep reading yeah. the curse, yeah. 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 Yeah, that makes me laugh. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of kooky, but uh, sure, keep it going if it stops people from stealing. And apparently they do get hundreds of letters every year of people just being like, oh, yeah. man. Spooky or kooky, regardless, don't steal things from don't. national parks. Don't. Not to mention, yeah, if you get caught. Can you, you buy can... them, though? No. Oh, no. that's weird. I no, guess because only there's only so much. Of them. Yeah, so they don't want to. Because already there was so much that was stripped back in the day when you could buy it. So they Fair were enough. like, let's not do that. Picture this. Your next trip. Utah. Five national parks. Now, our next le- uh, urban legend is not unique to Utah. It's one of those that circulated around the nation in the late 1980s. But I've chosen to tie it to Utah because one of the main examples that brought it to the forefront had to do with Utah. See, Mason, some people have to work for their tans. Not me. They aren't naturally gifted uh, with them like like you and I. Yes. Uh, we wanna. We both would like to thank our ancestors for settling in Mexico, giving us... Absolutely. Our, thank yeah. you to the Schrader clan for yes. choosing to live somewhere so close to the equator that I'm Carmel Brown all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a new coworker the other day tell me that I was very, very pale, <laughs> and I was like, "I guess." And she said, "Well, mostly just your hands." Hmm. And I haven't ever heard that before, That's but weird. now I'm wondering if it's because my face is really pink, and that makes me sad. No, see, some people, Mason, they desire uh, to have that golden brown, and they have to work for it, whether it be by tanning out in the sun, a spray, or a good trip to the tanning beds. The reason I can see this legend circulating in Utah is because having attended high school in that state, I knew many a cheerleader who before the big dance showed up to school just a little too close to Carrot. 
See, this is the urban legend of the provotine who cooked herself in a tanning bed. And this is how it goes. Straight from when it, re from when it reached advice columnist Abigail Van Buren. Dear Abby, I just received a letter from my daughter Kathy, who is attending school in Provo, Utah. She related the following story that I found so horrifying that I want to share it with you so that I can warn others. A 17-year-old girl won a trip to Hawaii. She really wanted a nice tan for the trip. So, last week, she went, fuck. Last week, she went to a tanning parlor. She'd never been to one before, so she asked how long the maximum time she could stay in. And they said half an hour. Well, she wanted a really dark tan. She, <laughs> she wanted a really dark tan. So, she went to seven places and spent half an hour in each. Three and a half hours total. This poor girl's now in Utah Valley Regional Medical Center. They estimate she had about 26 days to live. She's totally blind. And they say it's as if she had microwaved herself. It's basically the same principle. Basically. Anyhow, I don't know how microwaves work. <laughs> Anyhow, she just cooked herself from the inside out, and worst part is, there's not a thing they can do for her. Not a thing. Her poor family. One time I overcooked a Hot Pocket in my microwave, and there was nothing I could do except burn my mouth once, and then have to sit and wait for it to cool off. But then I ate it. It was one of the ham and cheese kinds. Of course, the girl was foolish. But most of us do things that are foolish sometimes in our lives. But we live to laugh about them. And we love to live to laugh about them. This girl will not. Please warn your readers, Abby. You may want to verify these facts on Provo. Anita Halleck. Anyway, Mason, what do you make of it? She was in a whole ass story just to say. Also, I don't know if any of this is true. <laughs> What do you make of it, Mason? She did you. She pulled a you on, she on Abby. She did. She did. She did the whole thing. I mean, I Spooky don't know. Spooky I thought she was going to get locked in a th in a tanning bed and burned to death. She was dumb. Cause, she like, just really wanted a tan, so she went to a fast, so she went to a bunch of them, and then she died. Well, she's got 26 I don't, days to live. This is gonna This is going to shock some readers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I'm not a doctor. What? Of anything. Joe of Rogan? anything. I'm not a doctor. But I just feel like unless you're in an actual microwave, mm -hmm. the only way like you it would it would fuck up your outside mm -hmm. before it would fuck up your inside, yeah. right? Because I don't think it's radiation that gives you the tan, right? No. It's UV rays. Right. So I feel like you can die from tanning too much. I believe that. Well, skin cancer. Sure, but I, I, I don't think, because, like, how, like, she went Mason, blind. Mason, 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 She would have had to Mason, go blind Mason, Mason, Mason. before So you think it's insides, kooky, Yes, I think it's kooky. It's kooky. It's kooky. It's kooky. Yeah. It's dumb. It doesn't it's make any so sense. so stupid. It's, but again, I, having grown yeah. up in this state and knowing how many, which there's nothing wrong with it. You want to get a tan, that's fine. You know, a lot, some of the girls I went to high yeah. school with, they went a little too far and the it, it's more, only, it's more on whoever was giving them the spray tan than it is on the girls. They he's clever. only saying this because the girls who got the tans were also the girls who said no to him. 
Nah. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, buddy. I understand that probably scraped a little closer. That probably got a little farther. You just sent me to fucking. You just sent me to seventeen year old me. I, for a second, I was lost. I watched anyway, neurons connect. Just when see I the said tear that. fucking <laughs> coming down my cheek. So I can, but 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 with that being said, um, I can see how this would get spread on like my town's Facebook post yeah uh, yeah for board sure. you know so but it's fucking kooky and it's obviously fake because for starters that's not how tanning beds work they aren't like microwaves uh there are some dangers to tanning both in tanning beds and outside of them tanning bed related you know skin cancer tanning bed related deaths seem to be limited to few and are usually also, the result of other outside interferences I do think at least one time. Do you remember that show, Unusual Ways to Die? Oh, no, no, I no. feel like you I mean, saw... You mean a million ways to die. Or a thousand ways ye- to die. Sure. Mm-hmm. Regardless, there was a TV show where it was just like a bunch of crazy ways to die. I do think somebody accidentally locked themselves in a tanning bed and, and like cooked But also, death. was that show real? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if this is true. I just think some... I think one person has have like gotten locked in a One of the stories I read in, in connection with this show, the research, was that there was a girl around the 80s who died after tanning, but it was because she was on some medication that had made her skin like sensitive or something, and so she received third-degree burns, and then she died later That's on. That's a funny way of saying vampire. Yes. And also, there was another girl who tanned i think like every other day or something like that and then by 22 she was diagnosed with cancer she started when she was 19 and was doing this consistently and so by 22 she had skin cancer and she died a little bit after that so yes but not in this way because this story makes you think that tanning beds work like microwaves and they don't don't. dear abby herself even disproved this story writing dear anita thanks for writing I wondered how they could estimate the number of days this poor girl had to live. So I called the Utah Valley Regional Medical Center in Provo. I don't know if this is what she sounds like. And its spokesperson, Mr. Clark Cares, stated that there was no such person in the facility, but that the story had been circulating at the Brigham Young University. Yucko. Joanne, secretary to the medical director, said that she had just returned from Pocatello, Idaho, where she had heard the same story. In checking with the Provo Daily Herald, Renee Nelson told my staff that they had also heard the rumor, but were unable to confirm it. Well, friends, so much for the tanning story. So that's that. Damn, Abby kind of fucking roasted. She said, Anita, Anita. shut your bitch ass up, because you a liar. No dummy is what she just said. That was... Anita, that that was was really funny, but why don't you leave the fucking scoops to me? Also, yeah, props to her for putting to bed a, uh, yeah, an urban legend. Though, if she was someone else, yeah. she would have just been like, that's crazy. If she was Mr. Actually, in hindsight, she shouldn't have done that because I bet a lot of people were like, see, it's fake. Let's go tan a bunch. And then they got skin cancer. Maybe. I don't know. I'm Maybe. just kidding. Abby, you do whatever. The headline from that is Abigail Van Buren, colon, led people to skin cancer. Yes, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Abby Van Buren causes skin cancer. Yes. I don't understand how Dear Abby's work. Do you have to be named Abby to well, write she it for was him, the, or is this she just was a the coincidence? Dear Abby. She was, this is the this Abby? This is the Dear Abby, Abigail Van Buren. Yeah, that's where it came from. Oh. You, I didn't know that. I, I don't either. know a lot about Dear Abby's. I, I just was familiar this. with the concept. But this is, she was the 
Dear Abby. She was the Abby. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Go, 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 U-T-A. We're in your neighborhood. Our final legend out of Utah is one I'd never heard before, but I have come to love, Mason. Oh. If you find yourself, it reminds me of a certain... This one fits into that category of strange fellows of history. Alongside Hooky Jack and Leatherman, whatever his name was. The Hamburger Man? No, the le- remember the Leatherman? The guy that like walked around in a leather cloak and everybody was like, oh, look at this weirdo. And then it was like, he was a Civil War veteran or whatever. And he was just like slowly going I mad. I thought the Hamburger Man was the exact same story. No, no, no. There was been more Charlie than... No-Face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There is, um, this is a, for any listeners who haven't heard our, all of these episodes, there is a shocking amount of disfigured people with, or people with disabilities who have been I went back, urban legends I w- simply because they were afraid of getting made fun of and mm-hmm. they got made fun of. I went back and listened to our hooky jag. That was our very first unsolved US. It was episode 21. Fucking great. <laughs> Just so good. <laughs> we were hooky young men and it was yeah. so good. If you find yourself visiting the shores of the Great Salt Lake late at night, you might encounter a lonely specter of a man carrying a bundle of tattered clothing in his arms. This is said to be the ghost of Jean Baptiste, the old gravedigger of the Salt Lake City Cemetery, who was banished. I, you know, this episode has not had enough classic urban legends, and I'm mm-hmm. happy that we finally yes, got the one. Yes, right. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, yeah who was banished to Fremont Island after his arrest and seemingly vanished into thin air. I hope he fucked a corpse. Maybe. You see, not a lot is known about the early life of Jean Baptiste. We're not even entirely sure when or where he was born. Seems like he's not a real person. Keep going, Jose. No. (laughs) I've been burned before. The 1860 census lists him as being born in Ireland in 1813, but those who knew him in Australia said the man could barely speak English. (laughs) Which, which I'm sorry, but that also sounds like, which it's very funny to me. I will say this: that sounds like if I heard an Irishman speaking, you know, Irishman English, I might be like, they're not speaking English. But it's also funny to me. But that's what I was going to say. It's funny to me that Australians, who some might argue speak a very different English are being like that guy doesn't you do the Irish one I think I can do the Australian right so the other day I was down there in Milwaukee Charms and we're kind of jumping around and and my cousin Jack is coming around he's saying like oh god get get on the boat and you can't touch me fucking in my pot there and I'm telling him like it's not about it's you to brighten up the brought up the lookness in the you know what the bloody fuck is he talking about? <laughs> no, God damn, I almost had it. I almost no, that had was, it. No, that was good. That was, it was a bit like New Zealand, but that was good. What the bloody fuck is he talking about? Yeah, see, talking, that's what I'm that's what talking I'm, about. Yeah. The fuck is he talking about? <laughs> that's exactly how it would go. I want Taika Waititi to make a... Uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement to make a show about this guy. Oi. Have you, you seen... like a fucking um, cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but he was okay. So, so those I, who knew him in Australia were like he could barely speak English, right? Right. So there's a few things here that I'm very interested. Mm-hmm. In. First off, he's a real person by the sounds of it, which is crazy. Yes. But also the fact that he was born in Ireland, at some point lived in Australia, but I know this story ends in Idaho or in Utah. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, is very strange to me. Mm-hmm. And okay. those who knew him in Salt Lake City said he claimed to be from France, Germany, and even Italy. What we do know about him 
is that he was in Castlemaine, Australia until 1855, when he boarded the LDS immigration ship, the Tarquinia, which was headed for San Francisco. He arrived in San Francisco in 1856 and stayed in California for a couple of years. Is it just a coincidence that the LDS ship is this guy's named with from the Mormon Church, or hmm? The, isn't LDS the ship? Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a Mormon Church ship. Oh, it was a Mormon yes, ship. It okay, was that's LDS, I wasn't, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. I was curious if that was a coincidence or it was a Mormon ship. Yeah. Okay. Weird how the Mormons had ships that pe- took people to a landlocked state. Yeah. So that's um, interesting. I didn't well, know that was a thing. But I think I guess that, that that's it was. It was like it. them being like. We'll take you to the United States if you become Mormon. Well, if which you know I don't lot, know if, if, if that's what it is, but it almost certainly is that. Well, to be fair, if you know a lot about the history of the Mormons, they were not well liked in America in yeah. about any of the places they were. So mm-hmm. it would make sense that they were like, "We don't have the great reputation. Let's go get people to join our religion. Let's go get the criminals from Australia. Australia, because <laughs> you know that's how Australia was settled, or whatever was all the outcasts. You can have multiple wives." All right, I mean. <laughs> All right, you fucker. In California, uh, he was there, right? By 1859, yep. he was living in Salt Lake City and had gotten a job as the city's gravedigger, building a cool. small home near the cemetery and marrying a woman by the name of Dorothy Jennison. If, was, the, if the 1800s wasn't so smelly, I'd love to be a gravedigger mm-hmm. in that time. He was even the choir leader for his ward, which is a, a Mormon congregation. Ah. He would likely have gotten away. God, I know so much about wards, man. It's, I know so much about this church, and I, I had to. I had to to survive. He would likely have gotten away with his crimes had it not been for one man, Moroni Clausen. See, Clausen and two other friends had robbed and assaulted the disgraced Governor John Dawson, who had fallen out of favor with the Mormons after it came to light that he made, quote, improper, unquote, advances towards a well-known society matron. Maroney was the name of the angel mm-hmm. that John Smith saw. Yeah. Yeah. Maroney. Moroni. It's Maroney. It's Moroni. Maroney. Moron. <laughs> also, the improper advances, I like to think he was just like, let me see you pussy. <laughs> I, I do like that. I was imagining he was doing like a Manson thing of just being like. Doing the V and sticking his tongue and she's like, oh, oh. no. <laughs> They're just at church and at church he looks over at her and he's like. <laughs> the doing that like sweatpants jerk off where yeah. it's like his hand. He's jerking yeah. off in his yes. pants though. So, yeah. The men were. <laughs> He's the, oh, you mean the Louis C.K. Sorry, let's talk about this real quick. Best comedy best comedy album, album. twenty twenty two. Fucking how? How would they be like? Yeah, let's let him get nominated after all My that horrible tweet, shit. My favorite tweet, and I am sorry for whoever tweeted this. I can't remember what mm-hmm. the account was. Was who do you have to log into a room and jerk off at, dude? And get best comedy <laughs> album of the year. Christ. The men were arrested and subsequently killed during an escape attempt. The two other men, uh, their bodies were claimed by relatives. Moroni Clausen's was not. So Constable Henry Heath paid for the man's burial clothes and for him to be buried in the city cemetery. But Clausen's family would eventually come to claim his remains and ask that the body be exhumed so that it could be moved to their family plot. Upon opening the casket, those gathered were shocked. Moroni Clausen lay face down and completely nude. 
His family were rightfully outraged and demanded an explanation. Heath assured them that he had paid for the man's clothes, so he knew that he had not been buried this way. Can you imagine <laughs> opening up that casket and having his naked butt in the air? <laughs> imagine... It's imagine very... Your, like, that's you a know, very I, comedic I, scene. I, God forbid, your brother dies. He's <laughs> buried somewhere. You go claim his body. You're like, God, you know, fucking God. They open it. You think you're going to see your brother in maybe some nice clothes. It's just his his ass cheeks well, cause just you know facing you. And, you're I, like, and I know this hmm. isn't even possible in a coffin, but you know Dude, when it's like, kind of like when up. they sleep yes. when they're, yeah, so they're body and you're like chest is down but your butt is up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like to think that's how he got shoved in. Just his butt is slightly up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh anyway. An investigation was launched, and after reports from local children <laughs> that they had seen a man late at night digging in the cemetery. Multiple these times. Kids these were just were... kids running around the cemetery. I don't fucking know. It's the 1800s. Right, they don't have that's TV. That's a good point. The way you put that, I was like, I get it now. Yeah. And they were led to the home of Jean Baptiste. Hey, mister, you digging up good graves again? Get the fuck out of here, you fucking. Aha! Uh-huh. Let's throw rocks at the creepy man. Oh, you throw your fucking rocks over here. I swear to God, I'll fucking clock your fucking Look mouth. at him. He picks the butts up when he leaves. Shut up. No, I don't. <laughs> there. They found his wife, who welcomed them in, explaining that her husband was out working. As the officers chatted with the woman, one of them noticed a stack of boxes in the corner. Upon further examination, they discovered clothing within them. They also (gasps) discovered, no, like like really nice suits and dresses (gasps) and stuff. They also discovered children's and adult shoes throughout the home and other personal belongings all seemingly taken from the recently deceased. Uh, it was weird because they didn't have kids and they had like 60 pairs of children's shoes. So they were like, hmm. Heath. Where'd you get these shoes from? Oh. Oh, boy. Uh, the orphanage? You, hang on, what do you mean? Like they gave, the the, the, the orphanage gave you shoes? When a child die, is adopted, oh, mm-hmm. when a child is adopted, Oh, it's good luck that they leave a pair of shoes behind, and then we take them and give them no. to we give them to other orphans. What? Where? Why is who? Where is this good luck? To who? We're Mormon. We don't do that shit. Well, because we give, because we give the shoes. They give us. It's like we got adopted. Here's the here's our orphanage shoes. And then that we sounds give like those, some. That sounds like that some secular shit, and we will not stand for that. No, because they are got you adopted. fucking Catholics. Are you guys Catholics? Those shoes, so then the shoes are lucky because they got adopted in them. You fucking Catholic! Where's your cross? All right, they're (laughs) from dead kids. Heath had recently buried his daughter, and so instantly he became enraged at the idea of her body being disturbed. Oh, I thought he he just found her shoes. Oh no! (laughs) So he rushed down to the cemetery where he found Baptiste digging a grave. Upon accusing him of the crime, Baptiste dropped. J'accuse Jean Baptiste. Upon accusing him of the crime, Baptiste dropped to his knees and begged for his life. Just immediately caved. Just immediately. He was like, oh my fucking God, I'm so sorry it was me. I did it. Oh I just God. like to imagine he's like, he's like. And he just hears like. As he gets punched in the face as a man sprints in and hits him in the face. 
It's like the, it's it's like like the Goblet of Fire scene with Dumbledore where he's like, Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And he's like, Did you dig up Did you steal my daughter's shoes? <laughs> Did you put that man's button there? <laughs> the officer. It's just like a breeze. You know, they're just like solemnly looking at this butt and it's just like. <laughs> oh, the body just farted. It was definitely the body. I mean, it's funny because the body's making fart noises, but it's very sad for you this time, madam. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, he did it again. <laughs> the officer then dragged him from grave to grave, asking if he had defiled them. For most, did you defile this one? Yes. No. Did you defile this one? No. Did you defile the? Gr- There's grass on this one. Obviously, I did. <laughs> for most, Baptiste answered yes, but when he got to oh. Sarah Heath's grave. He said he had not touched it, and this no. seemed to save his life, as Heath would later go on to say in an interview that he was ready to shoot Baptiste on the spot if he had touched his daughter's grave. So good thinking of Baptiste, because I bet you he almost definitely did. But he was it's weird that, yeah, for like 90% of them, yeah. but that one was... He was I like, think he was just no. like, Heath, and then he looks at the guy's like name tag and it says Officer Heath, and he's like, huh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. I, uh... Maybe I guess it could be if it was a recent death. Maybe he waited a little bit longer. Yeah, it was. For uh, like, she'd yeah. been mar- buried uh, nine months beforehand. But it also also is possible that he just didn't get to hers. Maybe he just didn't do it to hers. That's true. Well, you'd also probably want to do it while it's fresh, though, so because otherwise yes. you disturb the ground so, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like clear. Yeah. After he was arrested, authorities we'll returned- come back to grave digging tips with mm-hmm. or grave robbing tips with, with Mason Trader. Mason. Here's how you're great. Here's how you're the best way to rob a grave. After he was arrested, authorities returned. And remember. Always take a tooth for sentimental purposes. What the fuck? What? When you rob a grave, always take a tooth for sentimental purposes. I'm going to just steamroll past this one. I have a box of teeth. After he was arrested, authorities returned to his home where they discovered that he had robbed nearly 300 graves. City officials weren't sure what to do with the items at first deciding to lay them out at a courthouse so that people could come forward and link them with their dead relatives. But eventually they oh, were Oh, that's all... my dead grandmother's jewelry. Oh, all of this silver. Yes, was that Oh, that's my mother's. But they didn't get to take them though. It was more like that was my grandmother and she was she was just buried and they were like, "Cool, we'll put it with her body." Oh. But and eventually then I'll dig it up, but then I'll dig it back up later and steal it all. <laughs> eventually and take a few teeth. No. No. Eventually they were all grouped together and buried in a mass grave. <laughs> Not much. Um, listen, we're. I don't. This isn't going well. Just what if we just push all this shit into a. I mean, most of the good stuff's gone anyway. What if we just push all this into a hole? Sure. Just kind of. I'm really tired, so fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You this, this suit. Stuff? I could wear this suit. Honestly, listen. Uh, this is gonna sound bad because we put that guy in jail for this, but fucking take it. No one else has right, claimed right. it. Cool. Might as well. Cool. We're using this uh, like a lost and found at like a movie theater kind of rules of like five days and you can take it home. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I got my retainer. Yeah, I told you not to do that. Oh, I thought you were kidding when you said that. I put it in the trash specifically so you didn't take it. Did you take it out? You know what? Nope. Not much is known at this point uh, about what happened uh, to John Baptiste as far as court proceedings as there are no court records or any newspaper articles that talk about his crimes during the time they happened, except for a sermon given by Brigham Young. The people oh, were in cool. uproar. 
Well, I'm glad at least somebody that was holy and pious was able to look I'm glad that a man who man. definitely didn't have a weird obsession with human shit. Uh, and child brides. And child brides and racism and just a piece of shit garbage human being. Honestly, Fuck you, Brigham Young, you son of a bitch. What did way worse things than robbing graves? Yes, robbing graves is. I'm gonna. And this is a bit of a hot take, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I knew it's it kind was. Of a, I was. I knew it was. I already know it's coming. Yeah. It's kind of a victimless crime. God, it's tell kind me, of. Tell a me why when I was crime. writing this, I I thought to myself, Mason is gonna defend this guy. I just cause it doesn't matter because they're dead. You, that's exactly I what I knew you, you were gonna say. I, I should have written you, it in. I think if you ba- you're basically, I think if you bury somebody with expensive things, no. you're effectively just that's just buried treasure. I mean, yeah, don't bury people with expensive that's stuff, pirate. but also don't that's, grave dig, Rob. That's pri- That's pirate rules, baby. No. You bury something worth digging up. It shouldn't be a crime to dig it up. Anyway. Who's those shoes doing more good for? An alive person or the corpse? In his sermon, His Holiness Brigham Young says that he felt hanging or shooting Baptiste. I would have taken a nibble off of him. Brigham Young says that he felt hanging or shooting Baptiste would be too easy of a punishment. And Are you life fucking in, kidding me? This fucking guy. And life in I'm prison. I'm so mad. And life in prison would do nobody any good. The only option he felt would be proper was to exile Baptiste to a small island in the Great Salt Lake. Rumors also began to circulate at this time that Baptiste had dabbled in necrophilia, although that was never, you know, he admitted to the to robbing, but he never, that was more, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. People were just kind of like, know, I bet you he fucked them. I bet you he fucked I, the bodies. I'm sure people were, but technically, don't fuck dead bodies. No, don't. Don't. don't do that. Not for any sacred reason. It's just icky. Don't do that because it's, it's gross. gross. It's bad hygiene. Aside from bad hygiene. Anyway. According I to wouldn't, some. Don't fuck a human. Don't fuck a dead human for the same reason you wouldn't fuck like a raw chicken breast. Is my That's my personal views on this. I say it's the same as rape. You know. It's without their consent. Yes, it's a yeah. dead body, but st- come Anyway. It's no, it's icky. gross. It's sure. bad. It's you know morally what we can bad. Both it's agree on is that it's, it's, bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's physically icky. bad. We, that's for sure. It's According definitely to super some, icky. He was branded across the forehead with the words "grave robber" and had his ears cut off. He was taken to Antelope Island and then further out to Fremont Island to assure he could not escape. The island was used by the Miller family for their cattle grazing and had a small shack with provisions on it. The plan. Was I'm sorry. They just gave this guy the best life. Pretty much. Pretty that much. Sounds, do you know how badly I, I wish that. somebody would roll me out to a tiny island with a shack and provisions? Mm-hmm. Oh. Some cows there? God. Sure. Oh. Jose, let's go rob a grave. <laughs> let's go rob some graves. Well, Brigham Young's not around anymore, so we won't get this punishment. Too bad. The, uh, too bad. God, I wish I'm, he would. I'm surprised he didn't choose to lick his butthole clean. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> of the shit. He was, a, yeah, yeah. he was, yeah. It's a real thing, people. Don't be, you have to do some digging because the church has tried to cover it up, but it's a real thing. You have to dig like he like dug he on dug all those shit. buttholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The island was used by the Miller family for their cattle grazing and had a small shack with provisions on it. The plan was that they would check on him every so often. However, three weeks after being exiled to the island, Baptiste seemingly disappeared. When the Miller brothers went out to the island, they found the shack had been partly broken down and a young cow had been killed and its hide had been stripped for leather. This led many to believe that he escaped. 
30 right, years. I would stand a reason. 30 years after his disappearance, duck, hunter just, duck hunters discovered a human skull near the mouth of the Jordan River, and three years after that, the skeletal remains of a man were found with a ball and chain around his ankle, and so many thought, case closed. <laughs> but, Mason... It the, would suck to be to have to. I mean, I I understand that. I'm guessing this probably isn't him. But how shitty would it be to have to live with a ball and chain around your ankle? Yeah. That would suck. The men who left Jean Baptiste on the island clarified that he was not bound with a ball and chain. Heath would claim that he had heard that Baptiste made it to Montana, but we aren't certain if that's true. Who knows what happened to Jean Baptiste? Maybe he did make it, and maybe he didn't. Maybe the whales in the Great Salt Lake got him. Regardless. What do you think, Mason? Spooky or kooky? I, I think that one's legitimately pretty spooky. Just, I, like I think that's a good. I think I think that's a very good story. I love that story. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah, I like it. I like the legend of like now he maybe he did died and he haunts the Great Salt Lake. I love a, a ghost at the Great Salt Lake. It's also it's familiar without being just like a copy and pasted urban legend. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's very specific to like a thing, but uh, you know I don't know. I like it. Also, it's just cool. I just like the idea that a grave robber got. Uh, banished to uh, an island by himself. Well, now... Although it is weird to think about, you know, I'm already now starting to think of the logistics of what the fuck, did they ship the cows to the island? Yes. Yeah, genuinely they did. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that seems like a bad, that seems like inefficient. I don't know. Now the story seems to be true. This man did exist. The only more I have to add to this is that over so over the years, a great deal of investigation has been done on this case, revealing little evidence, but according to some, uh, some rather interesting facts. So while the court records for the time period of the 1860 events appear to be, and I'm doing quotations here, missing, there are numerous newspaper interviews with the arresting officers. There are no prison records of Jean-Baptiste. This could be, however, because he was never in the prison. Uh, He was never in the prison system. He was exiled, and perhaps the government of this time was content with letting him fall through the cracks. After all, the early Mormon government of Utah was completely fine with omitting events that they wanted to forget. Mountain Meadows Massacre ring any bells? Still, there are few official records of the man or of his crime. Yes? Also, it just, it it also checks out because the Mormons themselves were exiled. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would. They were so totally into exiling people. Kind of. Yeah. Like I think exi- what happened yeah, with this case like was a, it did happen. It seems like a very Mormon And punishment. they just kind of were like, hmm, maybe that won't look so good when he escaped. And so they kind of expunged and tried to hide Or shit. just nobody really gave a shit. It also kind of sounds that. like People you were know, upset enough that they were like, fuck it. Still. Yeah, well, because they were probably like, he's probably dead. And also it's like, what are we going to do about it now? Nothing. So. Still, there are only... There are few official records of the man or of his crime. Salt Lake City has only cursory records of the events, referring to him as grave robber and noting that he had his ears cut off as part of his punishment, so that is true. There are also some interesting facts about his origin. For a while, he claimed to be Italian, French, or even Australian. The truth, however, turned out to be stranger than anyone could have imagined, as he was discovered to be the grandson of Sacagawea the guide of the Lewis and Clark expedition. This is made, this is a claim made by a couple of different sites. I'm not sure about this, um, but it could be true. Could be true. Because, I mean, again, the census, you fill it out. So he could have said that he was born in Ireland, but maybe he was the grandson of Sacagawea. 
maybe. Yeah. Anyway, I just hope he's out there listening. Yeah, he's still alive. I want to live. I want to live on that island so bad. We, I'm sure we could probably take. It's nothing. It's a big nothing island. That's just that's grass. Amazing. That's perfect. Yeah. One time I tried to walk to an island uh, on a frozen lake and I fell through the ice. Oh, it was real scary. I almost drowned. Actually, terrifying. Terrifying. It's I was really the most scary. Scary thing that ever happened to me as a young man. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's horrifying, man. Yeah, and I when I was trying to get up, it, the ice would crack under me. Yeah. And I thought for a second I was a goner. I was like 14, I, and I was like, this is it. You're supposed to like do it very slowly, get yeah. out of the ice Yeah, very well, I slowly. eventually got to like a thicker part sure. of the ice and just pulled myself. Uh, my buddy that's, pulled that's me up. That's still horrifying. It was horrifying it's because so my scary. friends kind of laughed and were like, ha-ha, and I was like, I'm going to die, <laughs> and you guys are going to be laughing at me as I drown. That's Yeah, that's terrifying. That's pretty, pretty fun. Uh, shout out to Troop 1607. That was a scout group. I was with that day. Anyway, with that, it's time to wrap the show up, Mason. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. We'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. Plus, it really helps the show, and we'll read your review on the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com backslash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Anything helps keep the lights on. Another thing you could do is to help the show and yourself is to go over to TeePublic and shop our merch. You can get anything from t-shirts to mugs, all with original prints and designs on them. Remember, if you donate slash support our sponsors, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. Mason, where can the fine listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mason Schrader. M. Schrader? It's Mason Schrader. I think it's at Mason Schrader. I think it's at Mason I just Mason forgot. Schrader. Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at j.valle underscore junior and the show on Twitter and Instagram at Captain's Log Pod. We recommend various different materials on there, post show updates, post some occasionally funny things. So go check it out. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and of course, this show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. Uh, if you want to support some of my non-Captain's Log work, I just put out a short film called For the Sake of Honor on my Animal Productions channel and on my personal channel. Spent the last couple months on it. It's four minutes long. Go give it a, a view and a like. Really helped me out. Make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it, and if you'd like to share your opinions on these legends or you have some insight to share, please do so by writing in to captainslogcast at gmail.com. Fucking killed it. You can also su- one take. <laughs> you can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back, etc. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. Thank you to Carlos Rivera for composing our show's theme. With that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. We'll see you soon for another special episode. I've been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by... Mason Grape Robin Robin Teeth Taken Baby Making Schrader. Wow. And this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission. Beep boop.